Welcome to the Pikes Peak Christian Church Sermon Podcast. In a, a series called Pleasing God, or Delighting God. And we've been looking at scriptures that actually tell us ways in which we can please God. We're not trying to earn favor with God. It's not as if we have to do things for God to love us, because the Bible says He loved you before you were ever born. He loved you while you were still a sinner. So it's not a matter of earning God's love, but it's a matter of enjoying the relationship with God that you would have. And just like any relationship, there are things you do to please your spouse or to please your kids or to please your parents. And the Bible says, find out what pleases the Lord. So today we're going to look at this subject, something that pleases God. God is pleased when our performance matches our profession. When what we do truly lines up with what we say we will do or say we believe. And I want to take you back to the Old Testament to a man named King David. David has reigned for almost 40 years. He's getting ready to pass the baton over to his son Solomon. And David has a great desire in his heart. He wants to build a temple for God. Up until this point, God's presence resides in a tabernacle. A tabernacle is a portable tent that could be moved around and and installed at pretty much any location. But David looked around and said, you know, there's a lot of false gods around in other nations. And those people build temples to their God that doesn't even exist. And our God is real, our God is true, our God is great. He deserves the best temple there ever was. And so David desired to build this great place for God's presence to dwell. But God said, you've shed blood and you're not going to build it. But your son Solomon will be the one to construct it. So David tells his son Solomon some sobering words. It's kind of a, a warning, a charge. In chapter 28 of First Chronicles, he says, And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. If you notice what David was focusing on, heart, desire, thought, things on the inside that God is concerned about. If you guard those, if you keep those in the right place, if you watch those, it will enable you to be the kind of leader that God needs you to be. And so God gave David plans, and David gave those plans to Solomon of what this temple would be like, and David began to donate from his large treasury for the construction of the temple. And it is unfathomable what David gave. Listen to this. More than 100 tons of gold. That's a lot of gold. 260 tons of silver that was in his treasury. He gave that to God, and they encouraged his leaders to give. And willingly, they gave gold, silver. They also gave bronze, iron, and precious stones. I calculated by the weight of what was given... What it be worth today? Do you think the Dallas Cowboys football stadium was expensive at a million at a billion dollars? The temple that David was building for God for his son Solomon would have been worth in the tens of billions. It was unbelievably lavish because he believed his God was that great. And as the people are giving generously and willingly um, to the Lord, here's what it says about about the people's response. Chapter twenty nine, verse. Nine. It says, The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced greatly. And so all this generosity is taking place, and David just bursts forth in this great song of praise to God. And you can read it in First Chronicles 29, but I'm going to read a section here. Before we do, I'll ask you just to open your heart to what God would say to you today. Because some of you need to address this issue of your performance matching what you say. That what we do really lines up with what we say we believe about God and about our commitment to Him. 
And so before I read this section here, I want to ask you just to pray with me. That God, you speak to our hearts through your Holy Spirit, that your word would come alive, and you would gently or sometimes abruptly address those issues in our hearts, Father, that we would have a heart that truly is aligned with what we say we believe. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's David's prayer. But who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we've only given you what only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight, as were all our ancestors. And our days on earth are like a shadow and without hope. Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the hearts and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. In the midst of all this outpouring of generosity is this one verse. And in my quiet time a couple months ago, I, I read this verse and it jumped out at me. It is verse 17. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. God values integrity. Integrity is about character. It's being a person of your word. It's being authentic. It's being true. It's, it's, it's saying what you believe and doing what you say you believe. In the dictionary, there's a couple different definitions regarding integrity. They actually, they actually complement each other. First is this. Integrity means to be honest, ethical, virtuous, and sincere. Another definition of integrity is to be whole. It comes from uh, the word integrated, which means it's, it's harmoniously integrated. It, it really means this, that, that, that what you see on the outside is reflective of truly what's in the inside. Integrity means this, what people see on your outside truly reflects what's on the inside. Person of character, see what you get. Warren Buffett, who's one of the wealthiest Americans, has a principle when he hires people. He says, I look for three things. First is integrity. Second is intelligence, and third is high energy. But if you don't have the first, he says, the other two will kill you, because if they don't have integrity, you want them dumb and lazy. You get that? Because if you've got someone who's, who's unethical, but they are smart, and they've got a lot of energy, they're going to they're gonna bankrupt you or get your business uh, shut down. If you've if you got someone with that kind of brain, brain power and energy and unethical, man, man you're in trouble. So you'd rather have them dumb and lazy so they won't hurt things. Integrity is so foundational to everything in our lives. That's why when Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, he shows the opposite of integrity, which is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy, hypocrisy means what you see on the outside doesn't match what's on the inside or what we say should be on the inside. And he gives the Pharisees as, as an example of this. He says the Pharisees go around, they blow these trumpets when they want to give to someone in need. And then when they want to pray, they stand on street corners and they just yell these loud prayers and babble on and on again. And they want to be seen, they want to be heard. Their, their motivation is not to honor God, it's not to bless other people. Their motivation is ego. It's personal pride. And you know, we have a crisis of this everywhere in society. Politics, business, even sports. One of my heroes growing up was Charlie Hustle, an athlete named Pete Rose. Pete Rose had more baseball, more hits in baseball than any player. I mean, 3,000 hits is considered a real milestone. There's only about 20 players have ever done that in baseball. He had 4,200-some hits. And he's way above everybody else. And yet he's banned from going into the Hall of Fame because 
as a manager, he bet on baseball. You can't do that when you're an athlete. You can't bet on a game where you could determine the outcome of it. It's unethical. And he constantly denied that he ever bet while he played baseball, but this week, just this week, hard evidence came out that says, no, Pete, you really did bet on baseball while you played baseball. That's so wrong. He'll, he'll probably be forever banned from the Hall of Fame. See, what made David so great was his heart. When, when God was picking a king for Israel, he had Samuel look, go meet a man named Jesse and look at his sons. He began to look at one son after another son, and God says, no, not that one, no, not that one, no, not that one. He finally said, do you have any other sons? He said, I have one, one other son. He's the youngest. His name's David. He's out, he's out uh, taking care of the sheep, but I'll bring him in. When God looked at that man, he said to Samuel, that's the one that will be king. But here's the reason why. First Samuel, I think 16, 7. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at what? The heart. The guy has these x-ray glasses that he looks inside. And David knew that all through David's life, the one thing to know about David, he wasn't perfect. He was a man of integrity. He, 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 he let out what was on the inside. You saw it. And so David would, would write these psalms in the book of Psalms and have prayers like this. Psalm 19 says, May the words of my mouth, that's the outside, that's what people hear and see, and the meditation of my heart, that's on the inside, be pleasing in your sight. I want them to be the same. I want to be a person of integrity. Psalm 139, verses 1 and 2. David says, You've searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. God, you know it all. I don't have anything to hide from you, so I'm just being honest about who I am. That's integrity. God values integrity. When our performance, what we do, matches our profession, what we say we're going to do, or what we say we believe, that's integrity. But here's the interesting part. When I read that verse, I, I thought, why in the world is that verse tucked right in the middle of a prayer about giving to God, about generosity? And here's what struck me. There may not be an area in our lives where integrity is needed more than in our giving, in our finances. Integrity is so critical in this area of giving. In the early church, and we find the church growing. The church is just growing in number. We see God doing miracles. And they're growing in fellowship and love for each other. So while it's going on, people begin to recognize their needs among them. And some are so moved by God that they will go and sell a piece of property, an extra piece of property they have, take the proceeds from that sale, come and lay that money at the apostles' feet and tell them, you guys do whatever you think needs to be done with this money to meet the needs in our community. And so they actually identify a man named Joseph, who gets the nickname Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Barnabas sells a piece of property, takes the money, lays it at the apostles' feet, and, and does something very beautiful, such a sacrifice. Right after that, the Bible says in Acts chapter 5 that there's a couple named Ananias and Sapphira. They go and sell a piece of property, but before they give it to the apostles, the husband says, I'm going to keep a portion of it. Now, we don't know how much. It could have been 25% of it or half of it. We don't know how much he takes. But he takes a portion of it, keeps it with his wife's full knowledge, and then he presents the money to the apostles with the impression he's doing exactly what Barnabas had just done. And then Peter confronts him about the deceitfulness of his heart. Here's what he says in Acts chapter 5 to Ananias. How is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land? Why is it that you did that? He goes on to tell Ananias, it was your property. You could do whatever you want with that. You didn't have to sell it, but you chose to, which is a good thing. And then you, you chose to give 
that money to the work of the church, which is okay. You didn't have to do that. It was your choice to do it. But here's where you went wrong. You wanted the glory without the generosity. You wanted, you wanted to get credit for something you didn't really do. And you've got a deceitfulness in your heart. Somebody whispered to you, that's the devil, and you listened to the whisper and followed his advice rather than listen to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And Ananias, that's where you went wrong. And there was dire consequences for both Ananias and his wife for that sin. You know, it's so easy in the area of, of money to be dishonest. It could be during tax season where we fudge the numbers on the taxes. Where we say there's things we did that we really didn't do. We say we spent money in certain ways that we didn't really spend it simply for financial gain. It's very tempting to take your time card and be deceitful on, the, on when you actually clocked in and clocked out, how long you actually worked and get paid for. Uh, you know, it's so easy to pad charges when you do services for somebody for things that they really didn't need done. We had a car towed recently within our family. It was only 13 miles. The car had been towed from here to there. We thought you know, it might be $75, $100. We get a tow bill for $450. We bought drop dead. Looked down and says, there's all these charges. You know, what's that for? What's this for? What's that for? And and sometimes your medical bills look like that. You go, you're kidding me. That cost that much? That's unbelievable. That's not what that value was. And it's so easy to take advantage of people in the area of finances. God, God wants us to have integrity. We as a church go through an audit every year. We want to have integrity with the congregation. When they, when they look at their gifts to the church, to know that you, your gifts can be trusted, that we're, we're managing them well. That's why we're being audited, to show that we're people of integrity. God desires integrity in our giving. And David is giving what's called an offering. He wasn't required to do this. It was an act of love. And I believe that when we give, it is a display of what's in the heart. What you feel and what you believe. For example, uh, when you give, it could be an expression of love. It's like that woman who had this jar of perfume, valuable perfume, broke it open, poured it on Jesus' feet. It was an act of love. Sometimes, like David, you want to do something lavish for God. Simply just say, God, I just love you. I just love you. I want to give to you. I'm so, I'm so thankful for what you've done, which leads us to gratitude could be a reason we give. God, I'm so grateful for you taking care of me, for you blessing me, for you giving me this job, for you giving me a great marriage at home, give me great health. I want to say thank you to you. Uh, maybe in your giving, you're saying, God, I trust you. I want to show that I trust you. That in my heart, when I say I trust you, it's going to be shown in my giving. The reason I tithe God is because I want to say I trust you. And so giving becomes a real display of what's in the heart. What David is saying is, God, I'm giving all this to you. I want you to know my intent is honest. My heart is pure. I'm not doing it for the applause of people. I'm not doing it to get, to, to get a gold brick somewhere with King David written on it. That's not why I'm doing this. I'm just doing it because I want your name to be great. And so, how we give is, is so critical. Now, there's, you just need to know that there's a difference between tithes and offerings when the church has talked about it. It's been in the Bible from the very beginning that people give tithes and offerings. What is a tithe? Tithe is something that God has determined. God has decided what a tithe is. Um, in the Bible, a tithe literally means 10%. And it's taken um, from a number of passages, but one of those is in Leviticus. In the book of Leviticus, the law of Moses said a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit or tr- fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. That word holy means set apart. So what it's saying is there is a tithe or a tenth that is set apart from what you bring in, and that belongs to God. This is. And just in obedience to him, you give back to God that part. 
to say, God, I, I thank you, I trust you, I give that back to you. You told me what that was. Sometimes people say, I gave my tithe, and it's like 2% or 4%. Really, it's a partial tithe, because tithe literally means 10%. So I give God the tithe. Now, we also have an opportunity, um, as God prompts us, as the Holy Spirit speaks to us, to give what are called offerings. Offerings are what I, or if you're married, we decide to give. And so, it, it may be that there are food baskets around Thanksgiving time that you want to contribute to, or the Gideons are here collecting money to distribute Bibles, or there's a missionary going on a trip, or there's children that need to be sponsored through Compassion International, and you decide, we want to do that. It's a free will offering. Nobody's twisting our arms. It's not out of obedience to God. It's just a response to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. You pull up to a street corner, and there's someone there with a cardboard sign, and something in your heart says, you know, you ought to give something. You reach in, you pull out a $10 bill or 20 and you give it to that person. That's an offering. That's what the early church did when they sold their property. That's what David's doing. They are giving an offering. And we as a church collect tithes and offerings. Tithes go to the general things within the church. The ongoing maintenance of the church, utilities, mortgage, um, supplies, support for missionaries, staff salaries. When you give your tithes, that's what those things cover. It just helps us to do regular ministry. But then on occasion, we have like a building program or we have a benevolence fund or something. And it gives an opportunity, if God enables you to do that, prompts you to do that, to respond and give a special offering. Now here's what David realized. That generosity is driven by knowing that everything we have comes from God. Look back at the prayer that David gave, verses 14 and 15 of 1 Chronicles chapter 29. He says, who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything, he says, everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. God, it came from you. We're giving you back what came from you. Then he goes on to say this. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight, as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. God, without you, we're nothing. We're just shadows that are going to disappear. We have no hope without you, but you gave us hope. You gave us joy. You gave us purpose. You gave us eternal life. And, and since you gave us all these things, we give back willingly to you, knowing that as much as we give to you, you give us more in return. So David had this great relationship with God. And you need to know this. When you have that attitude in your mind and heart that everything you have comes from God, it's so much easier to give. Because if it's His, and you're giving it, then it's His to replace. But if it's mine, if it's yours... Then you hold up with a tight fist. Like, I don't want to give my money. But when it's God's, it's a little easier to do. And that's David's mentality. I gave God billions of dollars. It all came from him in the first place anyway, he said. That's where it starts. Now, you need to know this. This is really um, appropriate in our culture today. God never changes. The Bible is very clear on that. But how we give does. And the reason I say that is because of this thing called electronic giving. We live in a culture now, and this is becoming more and more evident, this is rapidly transforming. We have a generation of people growing up that do not own checkbooks, that do not carry cash. That everything they do is through credit cards, through PayPal, through automated um, transfer of funds. And so oftentimes you see offering baskets passed and, and people are giving. We need to know we have a number of people who are giving electronically in our church. Some people have set up transfers from their bank account every week. We get a it's a check, but it's just to say money has been transferred into the church account. And, um, and that's easy to set up. It's just like paying one of your bills. It's just a consistent thing that happens you know, every week or every month. And we have people who go online to go to our website and give that way. And over the past year as a church, we've been kind of promoting this the last year and a half because we've sensed culture going that way. In the last year, the number of people 
who now get electronically in this church has doubled from last year. And 30 to 40 people every week give electronically. And of those that give, it's anywhere from $4,000 total to $10,000 that comes in. Well, 20 to 25% of what comes in our offering every week is coming electronically. Some churches are experiencing over 50% of giving that comes electronically. And some of you may say, Pastor, you know, you've got to keep passing the plate. It's biblical. It's not biblical. They don't pass it. They have collections. But, but what was good in Scripture is sometimes there was a box and people actually dropped their offerings in a box. And, and I just tell you, there's going to come a day, I believe, when most churches, especially churches that have younger people in it, will no longer pass offering baskets and offering plates. Because people, it's not that they're not giving, it's that they give electronically. You may be sitting next to someone and say, you know, I sit by this person every week. He's a staff person or he's an elder, and they never put anything in the offering plate. It's because they're giving electronically. They set it up to do. And so if you've never done, how many of you have actually given electronically to, the, to this church? Just raise your hand. Quite, quite a few of you have. I've never even tried it. And, but someday you're going to. And I just want to walk you through how easy it is. There's a QR code in your church bulletin. You can scan that. It'll take you to um, the church website. But you don't even have to use that. You can just go to the church website. Here's what you'll see when you go to the church website. might be a little bit hard to read because these aren't real bold slides. And I'll try to walk you through. Up on the menu item list, there's a place that says give. And so you click on there. It'll take you to the next page where you actually fill out your personal information, name, address, that kind of stuff. Takes you to the next page where you actually decide, uh, next page? You have to decide what you want to give. And then you want to give the general fund, the benevolence fund, whatever you can choose there. And then it takes you to the next page, which allows you to put in your um, credit card information. You can give through credit card. We don't encourage you to go in debt to give to the church. But some of you, that's just a, a convenient way. It does cost the church a little bit for us to do that. So we recommend checks if possible. But um, if you do that, then you click the next page. And it'll, it'll um, oh, it, you've got a next page. It'll actually go through and, and that'll be your one-time gift. But if you want to store your information and be able to set up kind of like recurring gifts, you actually go a different route. You go to that church um, webpage and then put backslash CCB. So up at the very top you'll see www.yestogod.org backslash CCB. CCB is Community Church Builder. It's our information program as a church where we try to communicate with you. We're, we're going to be doing that more and more and more to send information through this. So you do that, it'll take you to a page like this where you actually put your, your email address and then on the second line set up a password. It allows you to get in. Once you do that, it'll take you to the next page but then you just click on the giving menu item, which will take you to the next page, which allows you to choose, say, for example, a one-time giver. I just want to try it one time. Just do this. Give a dollar to the church. Just try it out. So you hit it one time. allows you to either get credit card or checks. So you click on that above, one of those two. And if it's a credit card, you'll do the credit card information. Go to the next one. If you want to do a check, you can do um, your routing number and all that. And it'll store that information. Now, if you go back to that page where you choose, chose that one-time gift, you can also do this. Um, choose a recurring gift. Let's go a couple slides advanced. It's the bottom one. There you go. Um, a recurring gift. And when you do that, you can actually choose to set up a, a continue, like once a month or every two weeks or every week kind of contribution. When you click on that, it'll give you the opportunity to choose which funds you want to give to and then what frequency. How often do you want to do that? And I think that's the last. Is there another slide? That may be the last one. So I just encourage you to try it out. 
Um, this fall, we're going to make it really easy. We're going to have a phone app that has a Pikespeak Christian logo. You just touch it, opens up, you can listen to sermons, you can, you can send in prayer requests, and you can give. And once that's set up with your information, it'll take you less than 30 seconds to actually give. And I just know from watching people around that everywhere I go, I look at people and they're holding this little device. They're not even using their, their um, desktop computers anymore. These phones now become how we communicate pictures and text and information to each other, how we upload things to Facebook, how we make plane reservations, uh, how, we, how we search for recipes online, how we read our books, how we listen to music and sermons. And it's going to be, especially for our younger generation, how we give. You see people doing this. So I encourage you, give it a try. Here's something that this does. What does it allow you to give immediately? 35% of people give on Sunday electronically, just across the nation. 14% give on Friday. You know why? Payday. You know why that's a, you know what this says to me? There are people who say, when I get paid, the first thing I do is I tie it to the Lord. What a great discipline. I'm not going to wait till Sunday. I'm going to do it the day I get my check. It's just that personal discipline that I get into. I'm going to give the first part of what God has given back to the Lord. Another thing you can do is set up that recurring system so that sometimes we forget. Sometimes I've forgotten. gotten real busy and didn't look at my calendar and know this is the week to write a check. It just happens automatically. And in the summer when you're traveling, which a lot of us do, see, in the summer, many of us are in church only once or twice a month through the summer. And you know what? If we, only, if we only took offerings once or twice a month, we would probably have to let some staff go, close the building down certain days. We rely on the faithful giving of the church body. And so you may say, well, Pastor, I'd love to give, but I'm going to be gone the next three weeks. You can go on and do electronically. You know what else is beautiful about electronic giving? Is it secret? When you look in the Bible, so don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. When you give, uh, nobody's going to know. In fact, people are going to wonder, do you ever give? Do you ever give? I never see you give. And you just know between you and I, yeah, God, I'm faithful giving. But I do electronically, so I never miss a week or I never miss a paycheck. I do it faithfully on there. So I encourage you, try it out. We are going there. Culture is going there more and more. Now I want to close with this. Just a reminder of why we give. Giving honors God and it blesses people. Because David gave because he wanted to honor God. And it says in Scripture, in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, Honor the Lord with the first fruit of your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Honor the Lord. Giving is the way we say, my heart wants to honor God, and I honor Him through my faithful giving. But it goes beyond that, because our desire is not simply to honor God. We, we don't have in the plans for this church to have a big ornate building that costs millions and millions and millions of dollars. When we, when we built this building here, it was designed to be a brick-and-mortar building that cost twice as much as this building did. And we actually had to fire our architect, because the architect would not even look at a steel building structure, because they said, we don't build steel building structures. They don't look good in our resume. They don't look good on our portfolio. And so we said, we can't afford your building. And you know what? This isn't the most glamorous building. It's not a cathedral, but it's functional. Great ministry happens in this building. We'd rather see money go to ministry, not into mortar. Now, my wife and I have been watching this show called The Briefcase. Any of you seen this show? I mean, it blew me away the first time I saw this show. What happens is these two producers go to two homes of people who have great needs. They've lost jobs. They're, they've lost their home, or they're in serious debt. And so the producer shows up with a briefcase. 
and sets it on their kitchen table and says, when you're ready, you can open it. And so they open the briefcase. They usually quickly close it. They cannot believe what they've just seen. It is full of money. And they says, yes, there's $101,000 in the briefcase. A thousand of it you can go out and spend right away. But the other $100,000 is yours to do whatever you want. It's yours. No strings attached. Man, they can't believe it. They're, they start jumping up and down, and they start crying. And maybe it's an answer to prayer. They're just so ecstatic about what they've just received. And yet the producer then leaves it with this one statement. You are going to learn about another family who has possibly equal or greater needs than you. And you will have to make a choice to either give them some of the money, all of the money, or none of the money. And that question really messes with their minds. Because all of a sudden, couples, in almost every episode, you'll find a couple debating. One of them wants to give most of it away, another wants to keep most of it. And the first episode was so powerful, and it moved me to tears because there was a lady whose husband was laid off, he, he, his job had, had uh, failed, she was the wager for the home, and she saw this as a way to get the family back on their feet again. And she said, we need to keep all of it. This is, this is an answer to prayer. This will get us to where we need to be. We've got girls ready to go to college. This money's going to help us do that. And all of a sudden, they get a text message about this other family. It's a young couple. Wife is pregnant. Husband's unemployed. They have a little child. And uh, they start to um, debate, should they give to this family or not? And they, the woman justifies that their needs are greater than the other family until she goes to visit the home of the other family. And she walks through this tiny apartment, sees toys on the ground, and you just see, as she talks, she goes, they have a little child, I remember, what, I remember what it was like when we had little kids. But what really struck her was when she walked into the master bedroom, which really wasn't fancy, and against a wall were three, side by side by side, three prosthetic legs. And she stares at that wall, and she says, oh my, that's a soldier. That's, that's one of our heroes. And she looks and she sees these pictures on the, book, on the bureau there. And she sees this man who's, who's a soldier and with all his buddies. Then they see him in a, in a wheelchair getting a, an award from, I think, one of the presidents or political figures. And then she sees a shadow box with about 15 medals of honor he received in the military. But he can no longer work because of his injuries. And so the final scene of this is the, as these two couples come together, unbeknownst to each other, they are going to give but they determined in their hearts to give from the briefcase to the other family. And this lady, who had at one time decided that they were going to keep all of it, when it came to the moment to give to the other family, she opens up the briefcase, and she starts pulling the wads of bills out, and she gives $100,000 to that military family. And you know what struck me is, when she was here saying it's all for us, and then she got to hear it's all for them, there was only one thing that changed, only one thing that changed, her heart. You know why her heart changed? It was dangerous. She got exposed to another person's need. If she had not known about that, she could have kept all of it. The more you get exposed to need, the more your heart opens to generosity. And the more you learn about people that are struggling in poverty in our community and husbands that don't have jobs and families in need, the more you open up your heart to say, you know, we got to do something, honey. That family's worse off than we are. All of a sudden, you write a check for the, to benevolence. You got some family you can't send their kid to camp, and you realize, you know, we don't have any kids. We got all our bills paid, but we want to see that kid go to camp. You write a check because your heart's been changed. And, and you see a child in another country who who's, needs a sponsor in order to get 
clothing and education, and so you adopt a child for Compassion International because you got exposed to this face on a card. The more you see the needs around you, the more you hear what's happening on the mission field, the more you get exposed to people, the more your heart opens to generosity. So I just want to tell you this. The safest thing for you to do is just close your eyes. When we get done with this service here, close your eyes, have someone walk to the front door, get in your car as quick as you can get out of here. Because if you walk around here and you start seeing single parents come in with their kids, and you see uh, military families with, with daddy deployed, and you see families with the spouse who's been laid off, and you start seeing needs around you, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Something's going to tug at your heart to say, honey, we got to do something about that. In fact, I'm going to tell you, you might want to close your eyes, because I'm going to show a video here of just how awesome last Sunday was. Because it's going to touch your heart. So you might want to close your eyes, but some of you might want to see what we experienced last Sunday. Watch your screen. Some of you may think, well, Pastor, I think I'd rather do it another day when there's not as many people here. Why in the world would you want to do that? You want to celebrate with your family. You want people to cheer for you, to celebrate with. And today's not a day for excuses. Today's a day for exclamations. God's love to more people, so we need to move this church to a new place that costs a lot of money. 
to move to this location. And just about four years ago, there were people in this church that we, we, we're running out of room. We need a bigger space. We need to open up more space for guests to come in. So we built this building here. It cost a lot of money. It was sacrifices. People, people downgraded their lifestyle to upgrade their impact. And instead of trying to keep up with the Joneses, they just wanted to keep up with Jesus. And that's what's happening. Lives are being changed because of your faithful giving allow us to keep these doors. You know what I really pray is that this summer we don't take a normal gift or dip in our summer giving. We say, God, we don't want to see any ministry hindered. We're going forward. We want to see more people come to you. We want to see more people surrender to Jesus and be baptized. Yesterday, after the men's breakfast, there was a, a gentleman who's gone through a real tough marriage situation. He's separated from his wife right now. His little boy said, Dad, I want to grow up and be like you. And the dad says, I'm not a good man. I'm a proud man. God is breaking me. And he says, today, I'm surrendering to Jesus. And so yesterday morning, the men sat in here as this young man was baptized, surrendered, and God's in the process of restoring his marriage and his life. See, it may be pride in your heart. It may be woundedness in your heart. It may be lust in your heart, addiction in your heart. It may be anger in your heart. Whatever the, the junk is within, God sees all that. But he does more than just skip. He wants to he wants to forgive. He wants to remove that. The Bible says he will take out that heart that was hard and replace it with a heart of flesh, a heart that's soft, a heart, that, a heart that's responsive to the Holy Spirit who says yes to God. And they, God is softening hearts right here. We're going to take up an offering. We're not going to pass baskets. The offering is of hearts. I'm asking you, would you offer your heart to God? I'm going to ask you right now, go ahead and stand. Now, would our prayer partner just come up front here? Today is a day for you to surrender to the Lord. The day is a day. And maybe last week you were thinking about it and you didn't make that step. But today, God, I am yours. I am giving it all to you. I'm coming to surrender fully to you. And we want to pray with you. We want to celebrate with you. If you want to be baptized today, by all means, we're going to make that happen today too. Let's give ourselves to Jesus. Aren't you glad to be part of a church where people are finding the Lord? Let's celebrate that. Thanks for listening to today's message. Be sure to join us again next time.